Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's episode 169, and it's October 25th, 2022. And uh, this week, myself, Gavin Pickin, is joined by a new co-host, Scott Steinbeck. So he's a co-owner of Agritracking Systems, but you guys probably know him from uh, hanging out in the Slack, heckling us a little bit. He's a Patreon CFML community member, and he's presented Into the Box, CF Summit, and CF Objective. So uh, welcome, Scott. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, uh, you not too scared to come on the podcast and uh, and talk crap in front of the microphone? <laughs> no, and hopefully I uh, I researched it well enough before we we get started here, so I have something to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm sure you'll do good. But uh, but yeah, we've uh, been trying to play catch up on a, a lot of work after all these conferences, and so uh, we thought, well, let's reach out. We've had a few co-hosts from outside of Waters before, and uh, it worked out really good. So maybe some of you Patreons will get a tap on the shoulder, and we'll have some uh, some Patreons come in and do a co-host every once in a while if you're up for it. That is so. Um, but yeah, so first of all, uh, we just want to thank our sponsors, Auto Solutions. Without them, we couldn't do this. So. They are, of course, the people that make Coldbox, Commandbox, Forgebox, Testbox, and all of your other favorite boxes out there. And there's a few ways you can say back uh, thanks back to Autos for doing this. You want to give us a list? Uh, you can like and subscribe to our YouTube videos. Um, help Autos reach the stars. Star and fork the repos. Start all of your GitHub box dependencies from Commandbox with the Commandbox GitHub um, command. Subscribe to our podcast on your podcast app or leave us a review. Cool, cool. And then, of course, you can sign up for, for a free or paid account on CFCast, which is our video platform, which is releasing new content almost every week. Um, we're a little behind, but we're going to catch up. And then we have uh, the Box Life Store, which you guys can buy some cool merch. And that's up on the Order Solutions website. And then we have the Order's book. Um, so there's 102 Cold Box H. MVC quick tips and tricks it's up on Gumroad so those are some ways you can say thanks back we also want to thank our Patreons so we have um, 42 Patreons providing 100% of the funding for this podcast but we also have uh, about 33, 32-33% of the way of fully funding the hosting of Forgebox.io and all the Amazon S3 bills for everyone downloading all the cool stuff using Forgebox which we're, we're excited to have that many people doing it so very very cool now Let's get on with some news and announcements. And uh, first up, I want to just let everybody know that AI is taking over the world. <laughs> so uh, I've been playing with GitHub uh, Copilot, but there's uh, another little thing I just saw, which I thought was pretty funny. So I'm actually going to share my screen real quick. Um, so those who are watching can see. So what the diff is AI powered code review assistant. So reviewing your pull request takes a lot of time and effort. And so sometimes, you know, you want to make that easier. So this gives you what the diff, it gives you a summary of all the changes and speeds up those processes. So it actually will, you know, come in and actually, oops, there's a picture, but uh, give you sort of description based on your commit messages of what happened, kind of create like a change log almost. So using AI to figure out stuff. So it sounds, I mean, it looks pretty good from what I can see. Obviously I haven't tried it yet. But I just thought, man, this AI stuff, they might actually have some good uses for it because some of the stuff is kind of crazy, but some of the stuff actually I've looks I've seen a couple good. 
But I've seen a couple of these scenarios where they're using AI to kind of uh, facilitate either documentation or copy for, for a website, you know, content generation, um, comments in your code. Some of them are pretty generic in terms of the messaging, but they don't do a horrible job. And at least they can speed up your, your documentation and your typing for that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it says the free plan has a limit of 25,000 tokens per month. Um, mm. And they say 25,000 tokens about 10 pull requests, apparently, 10 PR. So I don't know how that works roughly, but interesting. Um, but yeah, so you can obviously choose different plans. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting. I wanted to share, uh, you know, something a little different. So yeah, AI is taking over the world and you can use that. And the GitHub Copilot stuff is going well. So um, I'm enjoying that. And then Hacktoberfest, Scott, are you ready? Have you got your full pull, pull request in for Hacktoberfest? I have one. <laughs> <laughs> You got a few more days. You got to yeah, get that in here. Yeah, I'm going to have to get it in there. I want that t-shirt. Yeah. Actually, they, this year they have um, a couple of different options too. So they have a, a light and a dark mode. But Hacktoberfest, go get them in. You need four pull requests accepted by the end of the week. So if you have ever pull requests uh, open on one of the Autis products, please ping us in Box Team Slack. Let us know that uh, you guys have something there because we don't want to have you miss out. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple of different shirt options and... I got mine, so I'm excited. So, yay. Overachiever, I got like seven just in case a couple didn't count. But actually, been doing can a lot of. Can you pick your. Can you pick what you're going to wear or like your. What shirt you want before you finish your. Uh, pull request? No, when you get the pull request done and they're approved, that's when they kick in and they'll actually, um, you know, basically that's when they go ahead and do the extra. Um, process they send you a coupon code they go to the checkout and you can oh, choose okay. a tree or not or whatever so so yeah so okay so it looks like your links in pace scott so i guess you're off the off the hook this week we didn't add him as oh. a moderator <laughs> like we talked about um so whoops i tried so, yeah i'll have to keep up on that so sorry everybody okay but yeah so uh, they've got that open to the end of the week um and yeah we're, we're excited to have that, so don't forget Oktoberfest. Okay, so we got some new releases and updates out, and I didn't highlight any of this stuff for you. Whoops. Uh, so you want to tell us about the new version of Masa, because they've got quite a few little things out here. Um, now, for those who don't know what Masa CMS is, that's the Mira CMS fork, right, Scott? Correct, yeah. So that's the open source version of Mira after they went um, private. And now they're a paid for CMS, I believe. Yeah, the, they sort of specialized in a couple of things, but um, Masa CMS has been doing really well. They've got quite a few releases. If you come look in here, um, you can see they've been pumping stuff out, um, you know, rolling different versions out. So, you know. yeah, and there's been a lot of changes. Like the, they're on version 739. Uh, the most recent, they were talking about an updated file browser. Yeah. Um, they fixed some admin stuff and replaced we are orange with we are north. Yep. And they've got, sure uh, yeah, they got a lot of uh, like security fixes, cross-site scripting vulnerabilities that are being fixed. And so, yeah, it's good to see the, the project living on. And that's one of the things we like about, you know, having a, you know, open source, right. And having the ability to fork that stuff and everything. And so they did um, post a few links for us to share as well. So let me share my screen a little bit more. So 
they have uh, the discussion 135. They have discussion 136, I believe. So this is the 7.4 features. And then they have 1.7. So if you guys are interested, um, there's quite a few things in here. And so they actually talk about Hacktoberfest in here as well. So I'll get these links uh, shared in the chat and you guys can go check out those discussions, check out, uh, you know, Master CMS. It's it's cool that it's the project's living on. Like I said, Mirror is a, a great tool and it's good to see that it's not dying off when they, you know, head over to to the paid land. But, you know, understand it's, it's hard to keep uh, open source software, especially big projects up and running we know about that so that's why we're so thankful orders that you guys are you know support us through all those uh free options we pay we offered early but also patreons and support and training and you know and consulting and everything so makes it well and for those there. for those that are looking for uh the opportunity to finish up their hacktoberfest like me um masa has a link in there so that you can update their documentation um it's got hacktoberfest on it as well as all of the orders modules uh, to my knowledge, have Hacktoberfest tags on them, so you can commit to those either documentation or projects. Yep. If uh, to not, get your PR then. Yeah. If not, let us know, and we'll add the tag when we accept it. So, um, definitely cool. Okay. Um, the image extension for Lucy, the 2.0.0 16 beta, is uh, out. So it fixes some file locking issues on Windows. It's got some major refactoring. Now it has optional support for commercial JDeli and or Opposy or Oppose imaging jars um, when available in the class path. So I guess they're also using the 12 Monkeys stuff for uh, WebP support. So basically it helps with the HEIC images that Apple creates now just to throw you know another spinner in the works, right? But uh, if you guys want to find out more about that, um, that post the show notes here but it looks like um they got a couple of different pieces and this is getting set up for lucy six as well well and i want to say i remember zach did his talk for the end of the box like pre-show oh yep and the original image extension uh they didn't include like the latest 12 monkeys the the heic stuff but he said that there was a uh licensed version that that you could get the heic uploaded Mm. um image conversions and so i'm wondering if this this update is to allow you to somewhere put a license in to use um the heic stuff because that's what all the apple phones generate and then it's a pain in the butt to put them on your computer and convert them to jpeg or use some type of an app to convert them to jpeg so that you can use them and everywhere else yeah for sure so that's cool. So it's bundled with Lucy six, but it works in the five three um, as well. And so there'll be they'll be backporting the image locking fixes to the one branch, which is a blocker for the five three ten release. So cool, good to see that. Um, in case you missed it, um, Cold Fusion twenty twenty one images were refreshed, and there were some updates uh, out there. And so Charlie did share that. So let me share my screen. So on the 18th, he posted this and basically, you know, talk about the different updates here. So come find out this. Um, I know that Charlie did mention that they updated, the refreshed the installers as well. So that's just good, good news as well. So go check that out, get the latest version. And I will let you guys know next week if I found a bug in the new Adobe uh, update five, because something that was working in four doesn't look like it's working anymore. So I'll have to 
let you guys know. I didn't have time to test before the podcast today. Too busy. So, but that wraps up our news and releases section. So let's get on to webinars, meetups, and workshops. And I almost put this in the in the news news because uh, the online Cold Fusion meetup is having its 300th episode this week. So, uh, Charlie's made it all the way to 300. He started um, way back in 2007. Um, it started originally in 2005, but um, he's up to episode 300. So that's pretty cool. So I look back at a new direction. So I can't believe they made it that far. Scott, how many of those have you seen out of the 300? Probably about 30. Um, I recently went back through because it's crazy how many of them still are relevant. You know, a lot of times when you're watching podcast videos, you go like, oh, I don't want to see the ones that were done three or four years ago because all that stuff's old technology. But when it comes to, you know, cold fusion stuff, even um, like the videos that, that were posted or the there was a, a page on Adobe where they posted all the slides for the recent CF Summit conference. Mm-hmm. And um, they had one from Matt Gifford, which was the OAuth talk. That OAuth library has been around for probably three years, if not longer. And most of the things didn't need to be updated that much. And there's, there's, I think there's a, a talk on it from before, but now we have a new one. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the stuff, especially like Java libraries and, and um, previous modules that were in existence, still work just like they did in the in the webinar talk that was done three years ago. Um, so it's still relevant as opposed to like JavaScript libraries where, you know, they change up every four months yep, exactly. or less. Yep, before, for sure. So the meetup.com, it's up there so this, this Thursday, 9 to 10 a.m. And I believe that was in my time zone. Let me double check. Um, yeah, that's my time zone. So Pacific. Yes. So, yep. So 11 a.m. The real important one. Yeah. Um, there's an Ortis webinar coming up. Step up your testing with Gavin Picken. Um, October 28th at 11 a.m. CDT, just central. Daylight savings time. Developer time. Um, (laughs) we all test manually. Let's step up our game with some easy, powerful, and valuable automated tests with text test box even on your legacy code bases. And I believe is this, uh, are you going to be talking about the tool that we've been working on? For yeah, the we will a little bit, but we'll, we'll just leave it as teasing that. Cause we're going to talk about that a little bit later in our Forgebox module of the week, but yeah, oh, a sorry. little bit of that. And, um, <laughs> just, you know, a lot of more people need to be testing and I'm, I'm making a big push to do more testing myself. And, you know, it's, just one of those things, you know, testing is important. Finding those bugs earlier means you'll find, you know, spend less time fixing them. And uh, unlike other people, even if you're the only person working on it, Ben, uh, you can still get a lot of value from tests. <laughs> but um, sorry, Ben Adele and uh, the Working Code podcast uh, talks about uh, his differences of opinions and tests. But I, mm. I like tests. I like them a lot when I'm even by myself because later on when I'm, I come back, um, it's like a different person when you're coming back to your code later. So uh, <laughs> tests are definitely helpful. And for me, it helps me catch those edge cases as I'm developing it. I'm really trying to get into the TDD thing. Um, so instead of manually testing everything, I'm doing it with tests and it, it does help. Um, but yeah, we got to get easier and better. So try to make life easier as we test is important. So I'm going to try and sh- share some things to help you guys step up your testing and including a little, uh, 
little tool that Scott and I have been working on that we'll talk about later. Have you heard of Git Blame? I have. <laughs> yeah. So it'll tell you who committed a line of code, and a lot of times it's you. Yeah. <laughs> I know it should be the default, right? He's like, are you sure you want to know that it was you? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's too funny. But yep, so that's Friday. So hopefully you guys can come join me for that at the Autos webinar. And I just posted the link in the chat. Now, the CF Hawaii is also having a, a meetup. And so Mark Takata, the Adobe CF technical evangelist for Cold Fusion, will be presenting on the new Cold Fusion Builder extension for VS Code. So you'll talk about, you know, the access... The, the built-in support for IntelliSense, code completion, semantic code understanding, code refactoring, um, security vulnerability, and maintaining integrity of your code, working with extensions, remote support, all that good stuff you used to with Cold Fusion Builder, and it's in VS Code, so that makes it pretty slick. And so that is going to be on Friday, October the 28th, so later on the same day, um, instead of being in the morning, it's going to be later in the afternoon, so it's going to be 3 p.m., Pacific or 5 p.m. Uh, Central Time, so you guys can sign up for that one as well. That is up on meetup.com, and so here is the link for you guys. So and is then, that the new like official name for for the Cold Fusion extension from Adobe? I think it's the Cold Fusion Builder for VS Code. I think that's what they're calling it. I guess okay. I can go to the meetup and see, but I know that we had we plugged it a few weeks back on the Forgebox. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have to see. Find out on October twenty eighth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just tune in. It's a great great way to finish your Friday, right? Watch some watch some code mark to cutter. So we got some other stuff coming up from uh Audis. You wanna tell us about um our Audis office hours? Yeah, so this is really cool. Uh, Gavin put in the Slack channel for the Patreons uh, what types of interactions they should have. And besides doing the Coding with the Kiwi, Office Hours came up as an option that people liked. And I really thought it was a good idea too because um, there are things that you come across in your code and you don't know if you're solving it the right way or you're you know barking up the wrong tree or asking the right question. I mean, that's what a senior developer does. They just Google better, right? Um, yeah. And so this, I think, is a, a great opportunity to to have different Ortis hosts out there and even to be able to have them go back and talk to the bigger team if they're not sure about the answer, but to get some really well-rounded uh, brainstorms about how you should solve a particular problem in your project. Yep. And I think the good thing about it too is that, yeah, it's not just going to be orders telling you how to do it. It's going to be orders talking with people in the chat about how to do it. So sometimes the community members can give some good, you know, good feedback too. And it's, you know, but just taken to the live stream type approach. And so that's going to be the first Friday of the month. So that'll be November 4th, 11 a.m. Central. And the sign up link is coming soon. Um, so we'll have that very soon. And we're also, the first one's probably going to be very informal just to get things rolling. But I think what we're going to try and do is basically, you know, have people sort of book a slot almost that way, you know, we can sort of help focus on things. Um, and that way, if you have something particularly you want to help with, maybe you can 
sort of give us some heads up beforehand. That way we were actually come a little prepared for it. Sometimes you get there and people ask you those really good questions and you just feel really stupid, but it's okay. <laughs> we can always say, you know what? I don't know that and I will figure it out and I'll get back to you. And that's okay too. So, but yeah. And Charlie also mentioned in the, uh, in the chat that it's Adobe Cold Fusion Builder is the is the extension name now in the VS Code Marketplace. Oh, but it's Adobe SQL oh. when you hover over it. Okay. And so I wonder if it's marked that in the bug tracker now too. I think that was something they were going to update. Cool, cool. Okay, so then next up, um, we have another one of these items. So Audis is basically every Friday is going to give you something now. So uh, the first Friday of the month is Audis Office Hours. The second Friday of the month, which is a Patreon only, so one of those perks of being a Patreon, you can um, come on Friday, November the 11th at 11 a.m. Central Time, and we're going to be doing Audis Book Club. So this is something I wanted to do for a while. It's basically like a software craftsmanship book club, and um, this allows us to, you know, read some of these books, but also talk about them. I've been going through the Clean Code series by Uncle, Ro uh, Uncle Bob, Robert Martin, and so I read Clean Code and Clean Architecture, and I might do Clean Coder and then Clean Agile coming up soon too, but I've got a lot of these points that I want to sort of discuss and throw by people, and you know, you and me on the way back from into the box, we're on the plane, right, listening and talking about it, and I was like, we really need to talk to more people, and like, you know, like, this applies in, this way in Java, but in ColdFusion, maybe this is a little different, and you know, or just sort of reinforce those points, so yeah, so I think... Well, Go ahead. I think in our community, there's a lot of people that didn't have like classical programming taught to them. I, I mean, CFML, one of the, the benefits to it is it's so easy to get into it and using it that a lot of times you get it to work and you don't know if it's the right way that it should be organized. And so I came in on the, on the uh, back, you know, of your job position when I first started coding. And even though I went to college, I went to college for um, in, an MBA program, not for a computer science background. So a lot of what I learned was just kind of trial and error and uh, reverse engineering, which didn't give me any background on what I should be doing, just what everybody else is doing at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I I'd obviously... At school, I did do some design patterns and computer science stuff, but I had a mixed business degree too. So yeah, you were getting, you were getting the leftovers of whatever I thought was the right way to do it. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to throw those around, ideas around and everything. So I'm excited to be able to throw, throw those out there. And we'll even, I've even mentioned it to Adam Cameron. So we'll have some um, big opinions coming out there too, but you know, I want to get people like Brad and Luis and, you know, there's a lot of community members with a lot of experience and a lot of different backgrounds and they can bring a lot to the, the table. And the other thing too, is I want to make sure that we have cold fusion versions of these books. So I want to create the samples. And so instead of looking at Java code and try to figure out what it does, like let's create a cold fusion version. So some of the book club might have to be sort of working on some of that stuff. So I might try and make some of the examples in cold fusion and then we can sort of discuss them and, you know, and it might be a way to build a little repo together too. So uh, I think that way it'll also help other people wanting to learn, you know, how to do clean code. They don't have to try and understand the Java or, or whatever. So anyway. Yeah. And we've got good resources too, with like the, uh, the book that Luis put out, which was the, uh, modern CFML in a hundred minutes. Yep. 
and then learn CF in a week. So all of those resources have some really good value to them. And I don't know if they touched on like the fundamentals or the principles of software architecture. Um, Yeah. I mean, I know Luis tries to bring it into everything and a lot of it's like the design patterns, right? We talk about them, but we don't have examples and well, there are examples. We just don't know what we should do. And so I think saying, okay, look in content box right here, there's a, you know, this is the design and the provider pattern. This is a pub sub pattern, you know, like we can point out examples in cold fusion code and discuss them and, you know, and say, oh, that's a good way. Or this is a little bit different or, you know, I mean, and now that we have more OO stuff of abstractions and everything too, um, and static types and, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that we can get into that or well, sorry, static methods, not types. But and that was new to me. I'd never knew that that was an option in cold fusion. Um, and then all of the uh, all of the OO talks on CFcast that Nolan did are super helpful for learning some of that stuff too. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I actually think oh, it's a blog series on my to-do pipeline that I'd like to be able to go through all the design patterns and sort of explain them and, and point out to some of those videos like Nolan's ones to be able to get more about it too. Um, and then David just said in the chat that... Um, we should reach out to Kevin McCabe and actually like, I really liked Kevin McCabe's uh, software craftsmanship um, videos he used to do. And he had a little chat room that I was in for a while too. So yeah, I think I will reach out to Kevin McCabe. I know he's moved on and doing other things, but he was big in testing and design patterns and stuff and software craftsmanship. So okay. that might be a, a flashback. So maybe I'll, yeah, I'll ping him and see if, if he's willing to jump into. So that's November 11th. So that's the second Friday of the month. The third Friday of the month is another Audis webinar. The fourth Friday would be, um, well, I guess we should put out the vote. So the fourth Friday would be um, the day after Thanksgiving. That would be the coding with the Kiwi. So if we do that, it would be um, the Friday the 25th. So the day after Thanksgiving. So that's why we'll probably miss it. And actually, that one's probably going to be missed a bunch because we'll have Christmas probably the fourth of the weekend <laughs> in, the, in December as well. But it's okay. Maybe I'll just have to create my own little time for that. Cause, but yeah, so Coding with the Kiwi is going to be the fourth Friday of the month. So we're basically just trying to jam all your Fridays full. So 11 a.m. Central, every Friday, just book it. It's Audis time um, or Audis and community because we want to make a community involved too. But the Coding with the Kiwi and the book club right now are going to be patron only. You can see the replays up on CFCast once we're done, but we're trying to give those Patreons a little extra, you know, benefit and thank you for for supporting us. So one of the one of the perks, one of the ways we can say thank you for saying thank you to us. So okay, what did we miss last week? Well, in case you missed it, uh, the Cold Fusion User Group or CFUG Tech Talk from Ray Camden was document your or document services APIs. Um, and you, and it was on Thursday, October 20th from 8 PM to 9 PM nine or IST international standard time. I think it's, I'm Indian, really bad at these Zikramer. Indian standard time. So yeah, that's nine thirty AM central, which is really weird. Cause it's like a half hour off. Like, you know, most of them are like an hour one way or not, but yeah, they're, you mm. know, it's like, I think it's 13 and a half hours behind us or maybe it's in yeah i don't know maybe in front of us <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway a lot but that's part of the adobe um pdf services 
yeah so he's been doing a lot of work with that that's you know he's working for adobe now talking about their pdf services so okay it's, uh it's pretty cool so a lot more it's kind of like some of the signature setups for like EverSign and docusign and uh pandadoc and whatever they can do some of those features but there's other stuff too so it's pretty okay. cool so if you guys are doing pdf stuff check it out um obviously adobe knows what they're doing there so and then Adobe does have some of their own workshops and webinars coming up. So um, they have webinars and workshops. Right now, it looks like we just got two webinars coming up to finish out the year, right? Yeah, on Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022 at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I know that one. Uh, building native mobile applications with Adobe Cold Fusion and Monaco I.O. I still don't know what that is. I, I didn't uh, get to attend it's the, like, the... It's like phone gap. It's really, I was, oh, okay. uh, unless there's a new version, when I looked at it, I looked it up on Wikipedia and it was first entered in like 2013 and it hadn't been, the Wikipedia page hasn't been updated since 2015 and no references anywhere around it. So it's really, it's interesting, but it looks like a phone gap sort of update kind of, it's like using Cordova behind the scenes, but it's meant to be like a, an independent platform for deploying. So just like, you know, you do jQuery Mobile or Ionic and then use Cordova or PhoneGap to deploy, it's kind of that line. But so I was going there excited about this new thing and it looked kind of old, but I did have to leave partway through that uh, his session at CF Summit to, to go wrap up our booth stuff because we had to clean up and get out of there. So I did miss some of that, but um, maybe I'll watch this and maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's what it looked like to me. So Because you've been doing a lot of work with... Um... Quasar, right? Yeah, love me some Quasar. Yeah, I've got a lot of that stuff built in. Yeah, so Quasar allows you to, you know, output lots of different things. So it'll, it's VGS based. Uh, it's got its own UI network, uh, sort of framework and whatever. But yeah, you can pump out stuff through Cordova or Capacitor to, um, you know, Android and iOS apps. It also does Electron stuff as well for Windows and Mac. It does browser extensions. It does SSA or sorry, SPA single page apps, PWA progressive web apps. It also does uh, SSR server side rendering for your SPAs and stuff. So there's a bunch of stuff built in and it's really pretty flexible. So that's why I keep talking about Quasar. It's pretty neat. I'm going to uh, add all those acronyms to my resume. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know what half of them mean, but I just threw them in there anyway. Yeah, that soup, neither but... do they. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then December 22nd, so right before Christmas, um, Mark Ducat is going to be doing a winter holiday special, giving you a preview of Cold Fusion 2023. So that one is uh, going to be available for you guys to check out right before Christmas. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, okay. So oh, Charlie just mentioned that back to my mention of the news about refresh installers. It was a tweet and a post. Yeah. We have the, the notes in the show notes there, Charlie for that, but thanks for sharing that with everybody else. So, and then if you guys want more webinars from Adobe um, or to see more information about it, they have that free link too, which I was supposed to let you say, but oh, well, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, actually they changed it. Oh, they oh. moved the they moved the Cold Fusion Road to Fortuna up to November, so they switched them. The Monaco's got pushed back. So glad I clicked on that link. So we'll have to switch that. So yeah, the the dates are switched. The the actual content is switched. Oh, I forgot. Fortuna was the name of Cold Fusion twenty twenty three. Yep, that's what they're calling it. Yeah, so they they just pushed 
the Monaco one to December. So I will, I will move this stuff right now in the show notes. Sorry, everybody, for confusing you. But last time I looked, that's the way it was. They must have just rescheduled it. I guess they want to get information about Fortuna out earlier. So that's cool. Have you heard about some of the stuff that, that they're talking about coming out in 2023? I think they did that at the keynote, right? And yeah. I didn't get to attend CF Summit. It was a yeah a, a good mix. Some of the stuff was really good. Other stuff were like, really? Haven't you learned your lesson? Uh, I mean, I don't want them working on UI stuff. That's my thing. It's like, we don't have enough resources to build all the stuff we want you guys to build in the back end that I can't build. So don't spend stuff you know, time and resources, updating CF maps, please. Um, like they're updating some stuff in CF spreadsheet, which is cool, but if it hasn't been updated in eight years, then if you update it now, um, do I want to rely on it being updated again? So that one is, I like them to integrate. So I'd like them to do the spreadsheet stuff. But when they started talking about like updating maps and see if, you know, see if chart again, I'm like, we have libraries for that in the front end why don't you work on the Java integration stuff, low level Java stuff that we can't do properly, you know, like, hopefully yeah, you can that do would it. be wonderful. Yeah. So I'm like, if you can do the stuff that we cannot do, let us do the stuff that we can do. So any low level integration with other services and tools, great, do it. Spend all day on that. I, I know that the people, the marketing people want, you know, fluffy charts and stuff, but they could do it elsewhere. And I mean, I don't want them wasting the resources on that, but, I was telling a few people, it's like, remember, this is a developer conference. If you're at a developer conference, talk to them like the developers, not like they're marketing people. They don't, we don't, you know, we don't care about CF maps. We don't care about CF charts. Uh, or most of us don't. But marketing people are like, oh, you can make a chart really easy? That's awesome. So if you're going to do it, right. just don't tell me. But I'd rather <laughs> you not do it at all. So spend the money. Uh, I don't know how many tickets Brad has in there about like making Java integration better. Like uh, Matt Clemente's talked a bunch about that. So I think they should do make the hard things easy and leave the easy things to us. Because when they do it, it makes it hard. Because they don't update it for years. So, yeah. Yeah, again, that's I, the biggest problem. I, I was using the extension JS stuff that they had built in for a while. Um, and... And then it stayed on like four old versions and yeah. everything broke after a while. Yeah. I mean, the, the weird thing is, it's like if they had the resources to maintain it all, I wouldn't care. But when they're spending time and they're splitting it time, like they don't have the resource to keep it all up to date. I don't want them to work on it. Now, if they doubled their team so they could do the new stuff and the old stuff, that's fine. But obviously, they have a problem getting, you know, keeping all that stuff up to date. So they should focus on their core competencies. And JavaScript isn't it. But well, and that, I would assume, like, originally that was the idea to help get people onboarded. But now that it's become a more established language over time, I don't really see the purpose for trying to, like, advertise to that group of people. You should be advertising to the set of developers that are moving with, with knowledge, moving from other languages over to cold fusion and, and provide those uh, tool sets that are going to be helpful to them. Not the flashy front end stuff that people typically will do with JavaScript and keep up with JavaScript and change often. But the thing is they don't sell to developers. They sell to managers and managers hear the fluffy stuff and they like that, you know, okay. developers. Yeah. I mean, like I said, when they did the Ajax stuff way back in the day, that was really 
hard to do in JavaScript. Like before jQuery came out and made it easy, all that stuff was hard. And so they did it and they did it fairly well. And then jQuery came out and then it didn't matter as much, you know, like that's the real, the big thing. So most people that use the UI things before jQuery loved it because it actually did work, but they just never updated it. And then like David said, um, inversely, when they actually do update the CF charts, they broke all the charts that everybody was using. So that didn't really help anybody either. So yeah, it's, it's gonna be problematic. I mean, they did announce a lot of good stuff too. Like I said, it was nice that they were going back and doing some of that. They're working on their model for uh, Docker stuff and container deployments, you know, so it's much more as you need it stuff. They're actually offering, or they, they plan to hopefully maybe sort of <laughs> release um, a, a paid, uh, sorry, a free option of Adobe ColdFusion based on your AWS free plan. So that was one of the, the things I thought was pretty neat. So, of course, someone's like, well, why don't they do it for all providers, not just on AWS? It's probably because they have more control over that. And, you know, so, but so they are doing some stuff like that. Um, but hopefully in November, we'll get more information on that. But yeah, I didn't see any updates or announcements that it changed. So, anyway, we're talking a bunch. So let me move on to <laughs> CFCAS. <laughs> So CFCast content, again, we have had a little bit of a, a hold on new releases, but we have been releasing the Forgebox Mods of the Week videos. We have been releasing the VS Code, uh, Hint Tip and Trick of the Week videos from the podcast. Uh, and then we do have all those ITB videos up there for ITB ticket holders only. If you're a subscriber, a paid subscriber, you'll get all the other content released in December for ITB. Um, but... I really am working on a series that I'll be releasing soon. So you, why don't you tell them about that, Scott? Because I almost released something last night. I'm that close, okay? So next week, I'll oh, have wow. new content for you. I You're promise. not procrastinating at all. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm trying to get it done. There's just too many things. <laughs> so more, more Forge Box and VS Code podcast snippet videos. Boxifying a third-party library from Gavin. Um, Cold Box Elixir from Eric. Getting started with Content Box from Daniel. And some more IT videos uh, that will be released in December for those who are not ITB ticket holders. Yep. So we do have stuff, a lot of stuff there for you guys. And remember, some of the previous ITBs do have free videos. So even though it was released a long time ago, we've released more of them as free. So this there's content there for you guys. But we'll get you more, I promise. So honestly, we're almost there. Okay, conferences and training. Um, so last week, uh, they had the... Uh, awesome day online conference and so that was uh last thursday october 20th so that was aws giving you sort of the intro down to you know how to get started with aws cloud and my week got away from me so i did not make it live so i'm hoping i can find the recordings later but that is uh it was, looked like it was gonna be a, a pretty cool a pretty cool little conference thing there but we have some more coming up though right in november we have one coming up from DigitalOcean. Yeah, November 15th through the 16th, Deploy from DigitalOcean is a virtual conference for global builders. Um, subtract complexity, add developer happiness, and join the mission to simplify the developer experience. So that's at deploy.digitalocean.com. Yep, and so we also have Into the Box Latam coming up. Um, that will be December 7th. I know they've been working hard on the site. I don't even know if it's up yet. I guess I should look. Um, I think it was... Let me see if they've updated it real quick. 
Uh, nope, still got last year's date. I can't read much of the Spanish, but I figured that much out at least. So um, it should be December 7th, so that should be coming soon. But we have a few uh, announcements of some view conferences too. So I'm going to share my screen for those watching so you guys can see. But those in Europe, they have a view Amsterdam 2023 coming. Apparently it's the world's most special and largest view conference. So the call for papers is open and the blind tickets are available now. I like the name blind tickets that uh, makes sense, but the 2022 videos are up as well. So you guys are checking uh view JS stuff out. That looks like a good option. So they call it blind tickets because you don't know what you're signing up for. Like you don't know the conferences yet. Yeah. The, that's the, that's the best way to put it actually. Cause yeah. Uh, usually before the speakers are announced before your workshops or sessions announced you, you buy blind. Right. So um, it's pretty good. The pricing is pretty decent though. Uh, so it's like six ninety nine for the early bird ticket or the blind tickets. And it'll be going up to about 900 pound. Um, but by the end of it. So, but Amsterdam sounds pretty cool. We got some other conferences. Um, what do we got coming yeah, up? Yeah, Dev Nexus, uh, April fourth through the sixth in Atlanta. Uh, they've got early first or early bird conference passes April fifth, available until November twentieth. So we've got a little bit of time. Um, and if you're planning to speak, please submit often and early. This is the one that Luis and Brad normally go to, right? Yep. And they try to teach people about cold fusion in disguise yeah in disguise but yeah they have a booth there um adobe's had a booth there before fusion reactors usually there too um but yeah it's a it's a great conference and we're trying to send more people to to other conferences to to learn and you know and grow our developers so um i think they had three do they four. talk about kotlin and and cold spring and those types of things there yeah they have a ton of framework talks and uh, i guess there's another language that red hat just started like it's a java type um spring boot type competitor and a lot of those conferences the more sponsorship money you spend the more talks you get so there's like six or eight talks on this new java thing but yeah kotlin's in there too because um isn't that JetBrains kotlin so they have a few talks and but spring boot's pretty popular too but so brad likes to go there and look at some of the stuff and says oh wow that's kind of cool and he's like oh my gosh you have to do all that just to do this man that's so hard <laughs> you guys should look confusion but uh yeah so guys can check that out and then Vue.js live so i guess it's online and in london and so code create communicate they got 35 speakers 10 workshops and they say 10,000 plus joining online globally but 300 luckies meeting in london so you got some early bird ticket links here as well so you can watch the 2021 recordings um, but VJS Live is where you can go find out more about that. That should be a fun one. Yeah. I like to get out and about sometime, but it's so hard with school and everything else, kids and the wife's a teacher, so we have to behave and not go vacationing in the middle of the, the school year too much. Okay. And I'm still avoiding switching to View 3 because they have all the, um, the non-option, the, the other format. I think John the, did a talk on that one. The CF, composable APIs? The, the I think it's backward yeah. compatible, though. Like you can still do um, normal stuff in Vue 2. There are some changes, but for the most part, you don't have to use composables. But, composables but not Vue 2, Vue 3. I know. I thought Vue 3 was 
Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So view three, I mean, you can still use the view two format and view three for the most part, but adding composables sounds really good. I mean, I was listening to a lot of Quasar stuff lately and they're talking about all the view three stuff. So um, I'm excited to try it now. Got to figure out what the hell composables actually means, but I think it's much, much easier. Um, you know, you can basically take pieces of your code and share them instead of sharing whole elements and components. So I need to hmm. learn more about it myself. So, but, uh, well, go to viewjslive.com. I know I might have to do the <laughs> online, the online version for that. They've actually got all the last year's videos of 2021. So I want to learn more about Pinia and a few of those other things too. So I got a lot of work to do, I guess. So I'll be watching some more videos this weekend, but, uh, into the box 2023 is also coming. So May 17th, 18th and 19th. Um, we will have, uh, the call for speakers released, I believe, um, starting November 1st. So call for speakers. Um, so start thinking about your topics. You know, we want new speakers. We want more speakers. Uh, I believe we are going to do the pre-conference again for those who can't travel, but we want to see as many as we can to the conference. And I'm actually, uh, trying to push hard to get a third track. So we may actually have three rooms going at once so we can have more content. And we are talking about having uh, like an open area for like uh, ad hoc talks and a little office hours type thing. So different orders people actually have like a little office hour so you can uh, go hang out with them and chit chat, ask Eric about quick and QB stuff or ask Brad about command box or whatever else. And so, you know, if you want to go hang out with them, you can, uh, and we'll try and do a couple of those sessions per person over the time. So you don't have to miss your favorite session, but we usually record them. So we should be good. So, um, yeah, we're excited about that. It's the 10th edition. So it's going to be big. So I think that was the hardest part this last year. There was, there was so many good talks that you, uh, you had to pick which track you wanted to be on and you always ended up having to miss something good. That's a sign of a great conference, right? I, I hate going yeah. to the conferences like, Oh, uh, I guess I'll just sit here and eat cookies because I don't want to go to them. <laughs> it's like, not even are they not good. They're just like, you don't even, yeah. And unfortunately I don't think that happens too often with our conferences with cold fusion. You know, we usually have some pretty good stuff, but yeah, into the box. I think we really do push for content and we always have so much content available, but what we're planning to do, I don't know if we're announced it yet, but you guys are listening. So shh. Um, and the third track is actually going to be like a deep dive track. So instead of having like six sessions throughout the day, we're going to have like three deep dives. So like a getting started oh, with log box cool. type stuff, getting started with, you know, some of the bigger pieces that people want to see the more beginner stuff or like we actually want to sit down and do it. So like a mini workshop. So we're thinking about doing that. And we're also going to put a little more time between the sessions. And so we're going to go to, you know, three at the same time, but we'll have a little more space. We'll probably have less sessions per day per track, but we'll have more because of the extended format. Cause that's one thing I liked about CF Summit is they had like 15 minutes between the sessions. So you have a little more time, use the bathroom and chit chat, get a drink or snacks, go talk to a sponsor. So we think we're going to space it out a little bit more. So anyway, into the box. And we're, Lots and of we're cool looking stuff forward. Coming. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I said, we're looking forward to 2023. CF camp might happen. There's no official dates for it. Um, but since Adam already knows that 2022 is not going to happen, at least we can have some faith towards the next year, which is coming up in a few months. Yep. Um, and I'd like to go to that. I, I know that you keep trying to go to it and it's hard enough for me to get approval <laughs> from my boss. Uh, 
which is my wife, to wife. go to conferences. So going to CF camp would be a pretty hard sell, but I think I can make it if they're actually going to make it happen next year. Yeah, and plus it's one of those things where you could take the wife, you know. That's what I'll have to do. Yeah, so. I've always wanted to go to Europe, so. Yep, you know, if it is that time of the year, it's obviously expensive, but uses more time for travel, and but yeah, so I'm excited, but of course, a lot of it comes down to all the restrictions and travel and liability insurance and all that type of stuff, so there's a lot of things that goes into having a conference in Europe is a little more restricted, so um, it's just yeah. the way it is, but they're, they're hoping to get it back up and running, but they're going to do it safely. Uh, and in case that's not enough conferences for you, uh, go to conf.tech. They've got a bunch of conferences, a huge list of them, um, for almost any community, including cold fusion and JavaScript and the like. Yep. And Bill said, yes, go to Europe. He says, it's fun. I'm like, yes, we do like Europe. And remember, Audis has expanded to uh, Europe now, too, with the Malaga office opening. So we will be doing uh, conferences in Europe, whether it's with CF Camp or as well as CF Camp, or if CF Camp's not able to do it, we might do our own. But, you know, we, we definitely want to, you know, bring into the box to Europe. And we want to work with those, the you know, the great guys at CF Camp too. So we're not trying to replace them. We want to just give you guys more content, more conferences, more awesome. So we're hoping that we can do that. So maybe I'll have to join the Ordis team so I can get a ticket <laughs> to Europe. <laughs> yep. And then David just says, we'll just stay at Luis's house. <laughs> so, yep. A lot of cool stuff coming up in the future, hopefully there. Okay, so let's get into our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And you want to tell us about the first one while I share my screen so they can see? Yeah, so Ben had a talk on considering the bounded context of error messages in a cold fusion application. And um, I said, what? He's basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the yeah, the title the title kind of got me, but when I when I went through it, it kind of comes down to how to structure error messages to be more uh, defined by the individual who's receiving that message. So for somebody who's um, accessing the site, like a customer might say, please enter your name versus if you're an admin and you're looking at the error message, you can say, please enter the author's name or please enter a name, um, not your name since it wouldn't be actually you. But the way that he went about trying to solve the problem was by having a public and an admin CFC that had the same uh, get response method available. And so whichever one was included for that um, scenario would return a message. Yeah, that's it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, obviously you want the, the code to be as clean as possible. You don't want to duplicate logic and everything else, but having some type of, you know, basically a polymorphic response almost with the way you're doing it, uh, it does make sense. But uh, I think you said it in the comments. Oh, yeah, Will. I'm sorry. Yeah, Will Belden was talking about, um, you know, resource bundles and try that sort of approach to it. Instead of having to make a whole CFC, you could basically just use a, a resource bundle type approach. Uh, and then, of course, we could even do resource bundles with, obviously, I18N internationalization. And then you could do internationalization stuff based on um, types as well. So maybe you could have a subtype or something. 
So. Yeah, and I think that's a good idea. I mean, it, it seems like the majority of the the code in the admin and the and the public was almost identical, with the exception of the message. And so, in uh, in the comments, what they were talking about is, you know, you can have a key admin and a key user or a key public, and just have assigned to that case or that error type a message. That could be switched in between those and that's kind of how internet internationalization works like you you set a language and that language will look up in a dictionary what the uh the messages that should be sent back as opposed to just putting in a generic like english message and making everybody else learn english yeah i mean ben did make a point saying that it might be trickier to you know get more dynamic messages and everything else but um yeah i mean the other option is is to to basically throw it and just have a catcher on the way up. So as it's catching it, just handle that message, I guess, like you had this. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, yeah, placeholders and everything work too. It's, it's an interesting thought. So anyway, that was a good one to share. So next up, we have another one from Ben. And so this one here is uh, kind of interesting. And I think I actually commented on this one, maybe just on Twitter but um, using MailHog SMTP server with ColdFusion and Docker. And so in this one, he actually does a video too, but um, they have an email testing tool called MailHog, um, and he learned about it from Sean. But basically in, in the Docker Compose YAML, um, you can set it up. So when you start up your developer environment, you can actually spin up an SMTP server called MailHog. And then when you're in development mode, you can send all your email to that server instead of sending it out to real people. And then it has like a cool little user interface. You can read the email, see the source and the plain text, um, you know, sort of loop through, delete them, etc. So it's kind of like a cool little UI for it too. And of course it saves you having to send out mail to real life. Um, and of course, if you're using Coldbox, we always recommend CB mail services, which in your Coldbox configuration, you can say, hey, in development, um, I'll put this to a file or do this or do that. And I have a, a module called the pre uh, the pre CB mail pre filter, pre mail filter, which allows you to say, hey, if it's development, you know, never send it or always send them to, you know, my Gmail instead. Or if you're in staging, if it's on this list, yes, you can email it to those people. But if it's not on that list, email it to me at this one instead. But this is kind of a cool way because it gives you more of the user interface. I thought it was pretty neat. Although it does does make me think that my idea for doing um, a CB mail services, like a mail trap with a UI to read them better than just the log files is a good idea. So anyway, so not- yeah, I mean, it's all self-contained, which I like that idea because it's just all there. You don't have to install something or have a third, uh, a third additional service running, um, you know, in order to trap your mail, it's just built in, but the UI would be nice because a lot of the, emails that I send out today have to be uh, formatted for Gmail and look pretty and not just be like HTML and text like they used to be um, and have to be somewhat mobile friendly so that they can show up on people's phones. So it would be nice to have an interface to view that, which would be an improvement from typically with CP mail services, if you want to send stuff out and you want to do it on more of a mass scale, but you're doing testing, uh, you would just write it to a log file or you would write it to, or you'd send it to your personal email. 
And I've had the experience that if you send enough to your personal email, Gmail will automatically spam it, which is fun. Um, and so either using MailHog or using like a mail trap, like you're suggesting would be a really nice solution to that so that you're not, um, you know, stuck running into those additional problems. Yeah. I mean, the, what I wanted to do too was actually, um, give, give more options where basically like CF scribe for logbox, where basically when someone emails, you know, the email comes into this little email service. So in CB mail service, you pointed at, you know, Gavin's mail trap or whatever I'm going to call it. Um, and then from there I can say, Oh, if it's on development and these email addresses exist or don't do, then do this. If it's got this category, do that. And so I could actually have it pump out to different email providers. I could use, you know, postmark or send to do stuff. I could send it to a, a mail hog thing somewhere. If somebody wants it for development servers, or I could pump it out to log file somewhere, you know, basically on a per email option, have that, that sort of processing. But again, we could spin it up where it's like a, a Docker image is a perfect idea. So like, Oh, well, I could just spin this up in my Docker compose it's just running lucy inside there with this little module and it's listening for stuff and you know it's like sentry but for email and then i'm like well why don't i do a few more things and now we can do all the other stuff that we talked about with luis's uh Autos hq um sort of set up where hey we can do you can manage your cold box scheduled tasks from in here you can do this from in here you can do your mail from in here so i don't know there's lots of ideas from it so it's pretty cool what else we got? So we also up? have a blog post from Ortis Solutions. CF Summit Ortis presentations are available. Um, and you can go to the Ortis Solutions website blog post to get that information. They have the slides available. And is it the full presentation on there? Yeah, the slides should be there. Um, the, what do you call it? The, um, the repo for some of the code repos are there as well. So it just depends on, on what we did, but we haven't recorded the sessions yet. We're waiting for Adobe to contact us about, you know, which sessions to do. If not, we'll probably contact Charlie and do it up on the CF summit presentation. So, Oh, uh, for some reason I was thinking into the box. So that's, that's no. why I thought they were already done. Yeah. No. CF summit presentations. Yep. Not yet. <laughs> so yeah, CF summit. So we weren't able to do recording over there due to um, new reg regulations due to, unions and stuff in vegas you have to pay an unreal amount of money to do any of that stuff so but next up we have a tweet and so cheatography said remember this call fusion cf script cheat sheet by velos and i can honestly say nope sure don't remember that but it's still kind of cool so c chain or velos back in 2013 interesting but yeah, so some of the ifls and the full loops and, and whatever. So if you guys are looking for something, you may want to grab that. I wonder if it's still available anywhere. Interesting. So anyway, I know that Pete Freitag has the, the script me, CF script me website. And I think he's got some cheat sheets on there too. So kind of cool. And then yeah, some of this stuff is as old as CF 10 or most of it's at CF 10 or before. So like there's, there's no threading or any of that kind of stuff that's in here, Oh yeah, but it's still a pretty decent list. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Freitag's cheat sheet's pretty good, but I, I do like the CF script me for a lot of it, but obviously some of the stuff you still got to rewrite, but then again, gets you most of the way there. It's not bad. 
And yeah, then, the biggest thing I've seen it do is it just wraps like a query, like a CF query in like a CF output, or sorry, a, a write output yeah. in a uh, query tag, query execute tag, because it doesn't know how to split that up. Yep, yeah, that's not too bad though. Okay, next up we have a, a blog post. So this is one that we mentioned before, the CF Summit that was captured for your convenience. So we have all the all the things. So this is what you were talking about earlier, saying all the different right. talks. And so I think almost all of them, there are a couple that are missing. I did realize there was a few missing, but they'll get more soon. But you can see mine and Daniel's. You can see it on the other one too. But yeah, Brian's like Charlie's on one here for the how WCF images have evolved and, and Houston, is it used modernizing through evolution, not revolution, which I missed that session. I really hope he does a presentation online somewhere, but I'll read the slides if needed. But there's a lot of good talks there. So, guys. But that have, one's about MASA. Yeah. CMS. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I think the hardest thing about being a speaker is that you have to balance how much you keep in your slide deck with how much you actually talk about. And so some of the slide decks that were on there when I was looking through them, um, it was basically like the slide had a topic and then they went into code to talk about it, but that's not going to be on the slides. So I hope that a lot of them will do the online conference after the fact, because it's a, a bummer that we got, or a lot of us had to miss it. Yep. And that was a thing with the, the, them being so close together, not a lot of people could do both uh, into the box and see if some and people had to make choices and and September is not the best time for a lot of things too. So we're hoping with moving to May, everybody can make both of them and we can see you at CF Summit and into the box in the future. You too, Scott. We we missed you there. <laughs> so I wanted to be there. Yeah. So now the next one's a blog post, but this is like a year and a half old, but it has some meaning. So you want to tell us about the Slack conversation that led to this blog post? Absolutely. So John Wilson, um, if he's in the chat, I'm not sure but had asked a question about being able to export data as a CSV from a query. And it seemed like a pretty simple question, right? You just loop over the rows and output them as CSV. But it had quite a big thread that we were talking about. Um, first, he had mentioned that CF spreadsheet, because I had suggested CF spreadsheet was a good way to go, was too much, too much of a package just to do CFV output, CSV output. And uh, it turns out when you look at the data that the or the the method that calls the query to CSV, it's actually pretty slim. So it would be fairly performant if it hadn't been for the fact that it needs to support both Adobe and Lucy. And Lucy has the threading built into like the async um, or the async threading built into each statements. So at the end of the day, we had come down to a fairly performant um, method, which was looping over the rows and turning them into a string and building an array, and then outputting that array to a bigger string with line breaks in it that would actually output it to the browser. But then we had come across this blog post from Ben that was talking about using lazy queries and streaming CSV comma separated value data in Lucy. This is back when uh, the current version was 5.3.7. So uh, do you know what a lazy query is? No, I, I think it's time for you to educate me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So lazy query from what I thought was, was a query that just didn't get called until you needed it. But that didn't really make a whole lot of sense in terms of why it would be beneficial. So a lazy query runs the query, but doesn't return the results set. And it or immediately until you call the row that you need. So it doesn't keep it in memory. If so you think about how... Kind of like an iterator uh, type setup, where it basically gives you an iterator so you can get the next row as you loop through them? Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good example of it. So hmm. um, typically, you would write your query. The, the query would be sent to the database. The database would execute the query and return the result set um, through the JDBC connector. And then you would get the result set built up in memory in either a query object which behind the scenes is a struct of, or a set of columns and arrays, or you would get it as an array if you had the return type array, and that would build it into an array of um, structures that you could then iterate over. Well, in each of those processes, when they come back, you have to build in memory the entire data set before you can start using it. And the idea of using lazy queries is that you can hold the query on the database side and ask for each row and it keeps a pointer to the row that you're currently like asking about so if you were to loop over that query you could get each row but it's only loading it in when you ask for it so that's the lazy part of it and to extend that into making CSVs download at a faster rate, what Ben's doing is he's using a, an output stream to uh, start outputting data. If you've ever used like flush in your code before uh, for loading you know, large pages and you want to be able to see the output faster, you can flush to the screen and that will write to the output of the um, of CFML so that the browser will get part of that page in chunks. And so typically you would load this into memory and then you would, you know, run your conversion over it to convert them from arrays of structs to strings. And then you would, that would be another, you know, chunk of memory. And then you would output the entirety of it to the browser, which is where the user would download the CSV file. And so in this scenario, they're grabbing one row at a time, turning it into a string and spitting it out into or flushing it out into the browser's output so that there's no overhead memory load on each one of those rows. And you will start downloading. If you've ever seen like a file start to download, but create like a temporary file mm -hmm. um, in, you know, in your file system, it's starting that file or opening the file operation and putting data in there as it's being sent to it. And then at the very end of his code block, he's just closing out, which basically tells the browser that you're done. Um, so he writes all the bytes, flushes them, and then and then finishes the, um, the CSV output stream. Um, it also closes the query, although Zach mentioned in the comments that you don't need to do that. It'll do it for you if you, if you reach the end of the query. Yes. It's one of those things with Java used to be good about, you know, opening and closing stuff where you can leave things dangling, but it's nice when the engine does it for you. So, yeah. So that was a pretty intense, uh, walkthrough. I mean, I know that a lot of things these days, 
I know he worked up with PDFs doing a similar type of stuff. So that's pretty cool though. I didn't, I mean, I've heard of the lazy query somewhere. I don't know where, but I know there's some drawbacks like you can't use the record count and everything. Um, but I know. Like, right. And that's the, that's the biggest drawback I would say is that, um, because it's not finalized, it's, it's not wrapped as a string. So you can't use, or it's not wrapped as an array or screen. So you use the dot methods. Yeah. Well, I would, I wonder if they can do something there. I know like with QB and quick, you can get a chunk at a time, but yeah, I know whenever we do like results, it stuff, usually we have like a, you know, you have some metadata about it. So you run like a count type query to get the, the data uh, aggregation sort of stats. And then you get the data and for that, you could use the cursor and iterate through. Maybe that would be a good approach too, but it's pretty cool. So, I mean, if you're dealing with big data and you want to pull down some files, like I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay. So next up we have Al find a job. So usually talk about get cfmljobs.com, which has uh, 142 listings, but none have been released this week, but Charlie did send me a link. So I'm going to share that. So this is for Lightning New York. They're looking for a cold fusion developer, e-commerce and web applications. They're remote. Okay. Full time. Um, but yeah, so they're looking at that. So they're doing stuff with order management, ERPs, um, and they're a small team, but, um, yeah, they're looking. And I think Charlie says he's actually worked with them before. They're a good group. So if you guys are looking, uh, check this out. So I'm going to share that in the show notes for you. And then we also have a, a position or two that is up at order Solutions. So we're, we're looking for, um, another couple of USA developers. And if you guys are in the other areas too, if you're in Spain or if you're in down in El Salvador, let us know because, um, we're, we're always looking to expand our teams and grow the team a little bit more, but right now we're looking for one in the USA or two. Um, but we're, wanted to grow that team a little bit. So let me share that link as well. If you guys go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash careers. And then if they're looking, there's always jobs on the CFML Slack channel, the box team Slack and the working code um, podcast has a discord. They have jobs in there too. Lots of options for you, right, Scott? Yep. And uh, if not, I'm sure we could find some work for you. I know there's a few people looking out there. So uh, I think, um, John just found a great job looking for, for work. He's the one that's behind the uh, Sea of Hawaii. And he said he had a great interview the other day and they hired him on the spot. And so that's great news. So it's good to see some, some jobs out there and good companies are looking for good people. And yeah. Okay. Well, let's, awesome. move, let's move on to the next thing here. We have our Forgebox module of the week. And so this is something that me and Scott started. And, uh, I think we've got a, a lot of stuff to add to it, but we've made some pretty good progress right away. And we had some fun playing code golf and, uh, refactoring and doing all sorts of cool stuff of it, but it is test box util. So you want to tell us a little bit about it, Scott? Yeah. So, I mean, most of the ideas came from, from your, uh, your notepad, but we had talked about it a while because we want to do testing, right. But we don't want to spend a ton of time writing boilerplate. And so. Uh, we came up with a, a utility package that you can add on the test box that will give you some matchers that make sense for working with APIs. 
because we commonly have to deal with uh, checking for 200 responses or 404 responses or 400 responses, authentication issues. Um, and we don't want to have to write the messages and all the rest of those things over and over again, but we want to make sure that the matchers explain themselves well. That's and a big so, key that I don't, people, don't yeah. think people get. So, but. And so we've got API status codes, events that are coming, um, uh, collection link, struct key link, and there's quite a few more um, that will be added to this as we get through adding them. But we've also set it up in a way to where it's really flexible in how you can add these additional utility tests to your test box. And um, you don't have to add all of them. You can add just the ones for the API or just the ones for um, the collections or structs. So it makes it really nice to work with and not a ton of overhead uh, when it comes to adding time to running your test or testing framework. Yep. So obviously I'm still working on getting the, the docs. I think we're going to change to use docbox to generate these automatically for us, but there's just some examples here on the screen. So, you know, before you'd have to do expect and you'd get your event, you know, and then you do dot get a uh, get response or get collection and then look for the response in the collection. And then you get that you'd look at the status code and then you'd see, you know, you have the status code to be a number and it would say expect 200 to be 401. And you're like, that doesn't tell me anything, but now you can say expect an event or a response to have a status code of a number. And then it'll tell you a more friendly user message, you know, like expected the status code for this, uh, you know, this call to be 200 and you received a 400, 401. And so those messages are way more friendly, but then shortcuts like to be 200, to be 401, to be 400, to be 401, you know, to be 403, to be 404, you know, short and sweet, but they have the same, same power. And then for me working with JavaScript, I hated the fact that we didn't have a, you know, expect a struct to have a key with case because all the key checks were great, except for JavaScript, the case is wrong. It doesn't really help me. So this is one that uh, I think Eric Peterson actually wrote a while back and we would copy and paste it from project to project. Now custom matches and like, we need to have a, you know, an easy way to include this and test box right now doesn't have wire box. It doesn't have modules. Um, and those are on the list that, you know, Luis is working on. We're going to be adding them sometime soon. So this is, you know, an, a way for us to, you know, basically make those available. And I think it's kind of cool. Like if you look at the homepage, I haven't added all the issues yet because I actually have a bunch of ideas for it, but just to show you guys what we kind of did. So in the models folder, Right now, and we are changing some of this to make it a little, little more flexible. We're going to add some wire box goodness into it too. But like you have this all. So if you, if you inject all, it will get all the matches for everything below you using some, some crazy path stuff. If you just want the API one, like Scott said, you can get all the API ones by just including the APIs and it gets everything below itself. If you just want the API response, matches you can just call this and so there's some of the code for that but so we're trying to make it where it's piecemeal so if you do the api status codes here you'll just get status code stuff and if you notice here like all that's in here is a prefix and everything else lives in the base model so at first we had like all these all this code everywhere and scott was like well what if we can do this maybe we can add it in here and so this base model 
we abstracted all the logic that was shared up to this. And, you know, again, we don't even have our Java docs in here yet, but long story short, there's a lot of cool stuff in it and we're just getting started. So uh, again, we've got matches and helpers. So you can get little functions that you can use. Um, and then like items of API response helper. So this will actually get an API response. So if you pass it an event or JSON or whatever, it'll try to figure out like, like here it's saying, is it a struct? So if it's a, an event, it'll be a struct. And if it actually has a key called get rendered content and that key is a custom function, then we're probably got an event. So we're going to say event dot, you know, get actual, get rendered content. And then if it's JSON, we can deserialize it and return it. And so that's how we get the response. So this little bit of code here, will do that. And so if you guys come to my webinar, you'll see how I took like eight lines of code and made it one line of code in my tests and it does everything I needed to do. Anyways, long story short, it's awesome. Scott and I had fun putting it together and we're, we got a huge list of things we, we want to add to it. And then you guys probably have a bunch of little custom helpers you've made, little custom matches. You know, we want everyone to sort of, you know, work together and make it better, you know, make our lives easier, better. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of cool stuff. And then, yeah, if we can automate the documentation piece to be off the functions, um, that's going to be cool because right now I was updating the readme. I'm like, it's really annoying to update the readme. I just want to be able to push a button when I build it, just do it. <laughs> so we're, we're working on that right now. And then that might require a couple little changes to it as far as how to, how the matches and helpers are built in there. So we have the CFM, so you can just do a CF include if you wanted to, but the CFCs read the include. So we try to make it very flexible so you can use it for legacy or anything, but yeah, I'm excited. So well, feel, feel free to add, uh, issues. If you can think of other matchers that you want to have in there Yeah, or make your own PRs, you know, that too. Yep. And I, I definitely want to go in there and, uh, throw in a bunch of the ones I have for ideas that way, hopefully it'll, you know, give people some good ideas. So, so yeah, so I think it'll be cool. And again, I showed Louise and everybody else and I was like, because we don't have this yet, hint, hint, this is the way I did it. <laughs> so, you know, eventually we'll have Wirebox and then we'll be able to just, we'll be able to have modules and we'll have like metadata on the CFC that says it's a matcher CFC. And then it'll just like, it'll use any, using the annotation, just automatically be available. That's what I want, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So Anyway, so that's our Forgebox module of the week. Uh, yeah, I make it help make it better, and uh, come check it out a little bit more on Friday at the webinar. Okay, our VS Code hidden tip and trick of the week this week. Um, this is a VS Code Quasar doc. So we got CF docs for our CFML stuff. Now you can get the VS Code um, plugin for all your Quasar docs. And so I'll share my screen for those watching. Um, it's only got a couple thousand installs so far, but um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I really like Quasar. They got good documentation, good everything else, but basically it just pulls it straight into a, you know, an iframe essentially in your, your code. So you can bring up the documentation, get to all the APIs just directly. So um, it's pretty simple, but those little VS code tips and tricks, you know, like they really do help. So um, you got all the different options, but. I love Quasar. If you haven't used it or looked at it, check it out. It's great for, again, almost anything. Um, 
even has a UMD option. So you can use it inside your, you know, cold fusion applications, bring in the styles and the JavaScript and drop in your, your view code. But I haven't done much with that. It's sort of like the, the, do you just tweak a little bit or do you go all in and, and do the spar? So I'm at the point well, where I'm this is really interesting. Sorry, go ahead. I've never, I hadn't seen the, the Quasar one, but we could really easily do this with VS or, or with CF docs too. Um, for anybody who's interested in wanting to add, you know, stuff to VS code, the API is actually really easy to get started with. Um, they have like a, a boilerplate code, you know, hello world example that you can try and their stuff's well documented. So, uh, you don't need to know a ton of JavaScript to get started, but it is running in like Node.js. And you've got access to the terminal. You've got access to this. This they would call like a, a web view, um, and then you can just tell it to open up in a new panel. So I, I can't imagine that it would take a whole lot to do something with CF Docs like this. Maybe oh, I can yeah. try working on something like that. Yep. If not, uh, into the box next year, we could be a hackathon. <laughs> oh yeah. But we got maybe, lots maybe of things. Maybe I'll save it for that. Yeah, that's kind of a long way away, but lots of, lots of different ideas. Um, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, CF Docs has an extension already, right? So it does, but this would be nice if you wanted to just like run a quick example. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking, that's yeah, on there or something. So that's what I'm thinking. Can we just add it to the existing one? That could be one of your Oktoberfest pull requests if you get it done in time. <laughs> oh, does CF Docs have an extension? I don't know if they do. I'm pretty sure they do. Let me pull up some <laughs> code here. Uh, Maybe I'll do that. VS while Code you're... CFML uses CF Docs to, to do the code completion, but that's all I knew about. Oh, okay. Well, let me have a quick look. I'm pretty sure that's what I have built in is this the CF Docs. No, nope, maybe you're right. Maybe they just built it into the Kamasama K1. So, okay. I got all excited for nothing. I was like, that'd be something cool, but yeah. And, uh, Speaking of VS Code extensions, though, you've also been working on a few other ones. Do you want to tease a little bit more about them or no? Yeah, maybe I'll put them all into the same one. Um, one of the things that the VS Code command box extension already does, it allows you to run uh, scripts that you have in your, in your what is it, server.json file or box.json file. Yeah, so box. if you wanted to run like... Uh, a linter, if you wanted to run like, um, what are some of the other things that are in there? Oh, it's like CF format. Yep. Um, they, they work. They're just, they're a little slow and not, I mean, annoyingly so, but for me kind of annoyingly so. And the biggest reason is, is that when, uh, Kamasama K put it together, he wanted it to be kind of like just a runner can be whatever it wants to be. It doesn't have to be cold fusion. It just can. And if it is, it just depends box onto it and runs it and is done. And then it, and then it closes the process. In my experience, um, for doing code formatting or for doing linting, um, it's kind of nice to have that run in an open command box terminal so that you don't have to wait for the startup time. And yep. so I've been working on trying to build a VS code extension that opens up a terminal tab for command box and then runs commands within that so that they're fast and it can use the, 
um, auto save functionality to trigger like a CF format on a page. Yep. Cause we were talking about that and we were like, I wonder if there's like an API to get into that or something. And then, you know, playing around and then you finally found that. So yeah, I'm excited about that too. Cause you know, obviously we could rebuild everything in, in node, but nobody wants to really do that. Uh, so if we can have just command box open and use it, then that'd be pretty cool. And so, I mean, a lot of the commands, like you say, you want to have it on save, just run. And so I think, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for it. So I wish I had more time to help you with that, but you do more on that. I'll do more on the test box utils and we'll, we'll be good. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Cool. Well, let's move on. So next up we have our Patreons. So thank you to all of our amazing and I think this was magnificent patron supporters. You want to tell us who they are and why they're supporting us? Uh, these are individuals are personally supporting, including me, our open source initiative to ensure great tooling like command box, forge box, cold box, content box, test box. And there's some that we didn't include in there, but there's a lot of boxes. Um, and we need to support the cloud infrastructure for our communities that rely on forge box package management, which if you haven't used or if you haven't created a module, ForgeBox allows you to upload to their uh, storage engine as opposed to using GitHub or something else, and they pay for that, and they don't they don't charge us, which is really nice. Yeah, it's a so pretty decent support. amount too. Like it's a lot of stuff you can put there, so for free. Yeah. obviously you can always so, upgrade, but yeah. But be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't put like twenty Java libraries in in your in your extension and upload it. It's a lot of space. Yep. And of course they can support us uh, on patreon.com slash auto solutions. And then remember there are perks. So um, if you do want to pay for a year in advance, you can save 10%. So that's a great, uh, a great bonus. And a lot of businesses need to spend their budget before the end of the year. If they haven't already spent it, that's a good way to do it. But uh, bronze package isn't up. Now get that Forgebox Pro account. So you get even more space and you can do more collaboration stuff. And then CF Cast subscription. They're both perks for being a bronze Patreon subscriber or higher. And then all our Patreon supporters have their profile badge on the community website. They have their own special forum on the community website. And that's where we'll be discussing stuff like the book club and coding with the Kiwi stuff. And then all Patreon supporters have their own private channel on the box team Slack. So that's where we talk about stuff as well. Like Scott mentioned earlier about some of the, the discussion about live streams and what we want to do and, you know, how often we should do them and stuff. And then, um, yeah, there's certain ones like the coding with the Kiwi friends and the oldest book club for software craftsmanship. Those are live streams that are Patreon only. So if you're not a Patreon, you should probably go sign up because they're awesome and I had a lot of fun doing them with people, but I think a lot of a lot of people really enjoyed them as well. I know that you've attended most of them, right? The coding of the Kiwis? Yeah, at least in part or in whole. It, it's been a lot of fun. I think I've learned some stuff that I never thought about, like looking into. But some of the stuff with testing or some of the stuff with, you know, setting up your API, um, I, I hadn't thought about organizing it the way that you had in the Patreons jump in there and they give a lot of suggestions about how they've done things for their businesses, which generates a lot of conversation. Um, that's fun to be a part of. You yeah. can listen to it after the fact, but to be a part of it, it's a different experience. And that's, that's the thing is like, we share them anyway with CFCast so you guys can listen to them. Um, but 
yeah, I think the Patreons, you know, part of the reason we did that too is that we don't have a huge group because too many people can actually make it harder to have a good conversation. So these live streams usually have about 10 or 12 people, you know, um, and it's just a good group, a good sized group for open discussion. And, you know, and sometimes we go down a rabbit hole and try to figure some of that stuff out. Sometimes I break crap and then we got to go figure out how to fix it. But it's a lot of fun no matter what. So, yeah, so those are fun. And hopefully the, the book club becomes, uh, you know, a great uh, addition to that little team. But since you're the first time uh, co-host, you get to read and mispronounce all the lovely names of our patrons. And Perfect. until the end of the year, we're going to read them all out after the end of the year. I think we're going to have to actually like implement the, the, the statuses for Patreons because only certain statuses are supposed to be read on the podcast. You'll be listed on the website, but uh, we're running out of breath reading this thing and this podcast is getting long. So good luck. <laughs> you're up <laughs> all right here we go john wilson with some natri- synaptrix uh jordan clark gary knight mario rodriguez giancarlo gomez david bellinger dan card jonathan parrott uh jeffrey mcgee from sunstar media dean maunder nolan irk uh abdul Rahim, will de bruin joseph lamry don bellamy jan yannick wait jan yannick latsma titrahati Brian Gianelli from Haggerty Motorsports, Reg, Carl Von Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Lesnicki, Matthew Clementi, Daniel Garcia, Scott Steinbeck from Agritracking Systems, Ben Nadell, uh, Richard Herbert, Brett DeLine, Kai Koenig, Charlie Earhart, uh, Jason Diger, Sean Oden, Matthew Darby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Mongi. Kevin Wright, John Wish, Peter Amiri, Kavon Vanes, and John Nessism. Nessim, I think. Nessim. Nessim. Okay. Good job. It sounds like you've listened to us a few times. So most of the time you mispronounce them the same way we do. <laughs> <laughs> I've committed them to memory that way, probably. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Good job. But, uh, well, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a, a great episode, I think. Hopefully you guys liked it in the chat. And then, uh, yeah, maybe we can have you on again in the future. And uh, if you guys, the Patreon supporters that are listening, if you guys are interested in maybe co-hosting, let us know and we can try and figure it out. Um, luckily, with Zoom and technology and everything, it's not too hard to get set up. So, um, but yeah, we'd like to, you know, bring some fresh faces in. But don't worry, the the usual suspects will be back as well. They're just busy catching up on everything. So... <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Yeah, well, I enjoyed being on. Yeah, no, it was very cool. And uh, me and Scott usually catch up quite a bit. We live in the same town, and we only see each other when we go to conferences, but we do talk more. (laughs) So it's good to to do that. So, okay, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks again, Scott. And uh, you guys have a great week. And don't forget my webinar on Friday. See you all then. All right, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.